My guest today is Start's Youth Program Team Leader, Lena Ishu. Lena has over 24 years experience working as a youth development worker with different organisations, and she's been particularly successful in supporting young people with the development of leadership skills. With Starts, Lena has extensive experience in organising and leading youth camps, facilitating group work, and integrating sport, dance, art, and other creative activities to assist young people to achieve their full potential and aspirations. Good morning, Lena, and welcome to the Hints for Healing podcast. Good morning, Nicole. How are you today? I am well, and thank you for making time, um, especially week one of term one, 2022, very busy time of year. Thanks for making time for coming on the show. That's all good. It's a pleasure, actually. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure having you. So we're talking today about how the youth team at Starts is responding to the needs of Afghan young people. So to start with, could you talk us uh, through what you started hearing from colleagues, your clients, from schools in that mid to late August 2021 period um, about what Afghan young people were going through in New South Wales following the Taliban takeover? Well, um, it's actually started from home when we heard the news. Okay, and that was the biggest shock, even though us being Nala and Afghan nationals. And then um, discussed that matter with our colleagues in the office and, and different colleagues with different nationalities, including Afghan. And it was a shock for everyone. Okay, uh, and I think um, uh, th- that, that, that brought us to idea of, uh, to the road of where young people are in all this. Okay, and this is where starts uh, school liaison team was in contact with everyone and asking schools and staff in in starts as well how we can support those young people. Okay, if the need is there. And and what symptoms were they experiencing in those early stages when we started hearing the the awful news? It was the first thing we heard from schools mainly. It was the shock and the anxiety of not knowing what's going to happen next, okay? Especially the people who got have um, family and loved ones still in Afghanistan, and if they were in a more dangerous areas, because they started hearing that people being mobilized from their villages, uh, some are actually followed by Taliban because they were in government agencies or working with foreigners. So there was a lot of a lot of that, you know, talk around uh, within, you know, young people themselves as well. Okay. Whether they had the first experience or they were expressing the feeling and fears of their parents and family members. And what are some of those differences about how young people say teens and young adults experienced and are experiencing what's going on compared to perhaps some some older generations parents and grandparents Um, how did they experience it differently there were no difference because we've got young people who expressed to us and said i am i am thinking of my cousins i used to talk to them every day now i can't talk to them anymore because there is no internet connections or it's very bad Okay, oh, it's very short. And sometimes they will tell us, oh, we can't because they moved to another place where they had no access to internet or phones anymore. So that they were that, that kind of, you know, pattern of talks with the young people. 
And um, I remember as well just getting all the distressed phone calls from the teachers themselves who were themselves really deeply affected about what was going on. Some had links to Afghanistan directly, some didn't. Um, So what were teachers going through and support staff and what were their concerns? Similar thing because they were hearing uh, the stories from students themselves and they were listening to news okay so and parents were calling for support as well so teachers and people in schools they were receiving phone calls and contacts not just with students but with parents as well and that was and then they have to be ready okay to know what's available over there how they can support them and in some of the school they've got really big number of afghan you know students in their schools and that was a lot of big pressure on teachers especially um you know, teacher aides or any staff who speaks Dari language because most of the parents needed, you know, language support as well. And so what was the response of the youth team at Starts? What did you feel you could do and how did you start supporting? Well, um, the first thing happened is uh, we were already working with few groups with Afghans in schools. Uh, when, when this um, event happened, School liaison team contacted contacted, uh, the youth team and asked what is available at the moment and how we can work together. So we met with them and then I met with all the Afghan staff that we've got at Starts and looked at what we can do, what will work with Afghan students and young people, what, what will be the best way to approach them. So we started doing those meetings, okay, looking at what resources we've got at starts first, and then what we can offer that is the best way to offer, and then we um, communicated that to schools. Some schools contacted us, some we contacted them, knowing that they've got Afghan students in their, you know, schools. Yeah, and I should mention we were in the context of a lockdown in Sydney, so most of the schools you work with were affected by that. How did you offer support in that context? That's the thing, like, well, as I said, um, school liaison team did a really good job in that, actually, is uh, providing schools with information on how to support students and families and teachers and school personnel. And through that, we, we, we did a little committee the way we will interview, uh, I, I mean, meet with school and look at what is available at school, what schools needs in terms of support what is missing that they cannot do that we can support them in that so those meetings happen in several schools some they needed different support type of support some they were okay to go ahead with whatever resources they've got at this stage so and and this is how it went so and we took it case by case so there was no one thing that fits every school no each school had different needs and different resources. Okay, so we used that method. Okay, so I know some schools um, we delivered professional learning and with a basis on like self care and um, heightened awareness of vicarious trauma and that sort of thing. And what were you able to do remotely in terms of running groups for the young people themselves? Yeah, so that's what we negotiated with school and we looked at how, what the school, see, this. Teachers and people at school that will know the best on how to deliver, especially when it was locked down. So we have to do everything digitally. And plus, we don't know those students. 
And it's the hardest thing to actually connect with someone online when you don't know them. Okay, so that was the hardest thing to do. So we were working with school teachers and counselors in schools, and then we negotiate what is the best way to communicate information to those students. So some schools, they suggested small groups. Some schools, we were already there with Afghan, working with Afghan kids, but they added new students into those groups so we could continue that. And some, they said, groups might not work it's better that we do some kind of like an information session or forums where everyone can come uh, and we, we will have it themed and we work under a theme every week or every fortnight so as i said like we, we mapped what is the need over there what resources we've got and this is how we delivered wow so those forum type groups is that more like psychoeducation about you know yeah yeah yeah. So the groups, the, there were two groups running in two different schools and they were psychoeducation groups. So we based it on John Arden's self-regulation, okay, emotional regulation, I mean. And it was it, it worked really well with students and and then it was short term, so there were like five to six weeks only. And that was the aim actually, is not to go too long. Um, and then at the end of each of those groups, there were small groups. Uh, one of them, they did uh, like a fundraiser at school as an outcome of this group. The other one, we run a art competition. Okay, so there were two different outcomes from it. So just to keep those young people engaged with us. And plus, we what we did is we opened a um, Instagram, in Starts Youth Instagram, we opened a group for them. They can discuss with us if we're not available after the group. They can actually contact us there. That was the easiest way for young people, you know, to contact us and us contacting them. Yeah, so you had a variety of platforms through which they could connect and um, really youth-appropriate. Hmm. And what were some of the advantages you saw to having starts as an external service provider come in to offer that support in schools that's the that's the thing i think um having the extra professionals will give you extra support okay um, school can do as much but always uh, specialized organizations and professions can give that extra strength into what students can do because students learn in a different way okay so probably if if someone cannot get information in a classroom setting they can get it in a different way so let's say the forums that we were running we were using kahoot okay it's digital again and we were doing uh, discussions. So we're asking questions digitally and then we are going into face-to-face -face, uh, questions and answers as well. Could so you run me through again how Kahoot works? Okay, so Kahoot, it's, um, it's a digital platform where you will have questions set up already and students can vote. Okay, and then after each question, we will negotiate the answers with them and discuss the answers what was right or wrong and why they did this why they don't do that so it was that extra support that we given that the school might not have that space to do okay so we were looking at let's say the be well forums that we run we we looked at a lot of topics and um, 
And those topics, actually, they were chosen by young people themselves. So the first session, always we did general um, mental well-being. And then from there, we asked them, what else would you like us to discuss? And according to that, we arranged the rest of the sessions. So there was that we were trying to use connection between us and the students. So they know stats, they know our services. Plus, we're using a platform they like. Most of the kids, they like using digital um, you know, devices. And that becomes now inseparable. Okay, like now we cannot separate ourselves from it because any time could happen a lockdown and we need, we need to move to that set away. Yeah, I was, I was interested actually with this, this new phase we're in of trying to live with COVID. Um, how are the groups looking for this term if they're continuing? Well, for this term, we are taking it against school by school um, because there is a lot of, we have to be a, a bit more cautious in terms of contacts and who will be in school and for how long and what is the purpose as well. So for us at the moment, we, we, we are having a lot of schools requesting us to go back face-to-face and actually they want the service to be face-to-face, not online. And personally, I love that, to be honest. Okay, that is the best way. Um, even though a lot of young people are still contacting us, the one that we did the forums with them, and that is amazing, to be honest, like asking questions, okay, um, needing some explanation about things. But face-to-face, there is nothing to beat it. <laughs> Yeah, but we're working on it. So we were trying to work with schools as well in terms of creating uh, safety plans. Okay, so we're looking to see what the schools are doing and then what we can do so we can uh, deliver face-to-face. Wow, sounds really consultative. Sounds great. So if educators listening today have students in mind who they might want to refer to a group, um, Afghan or, or not, um, what would be their first step for getting in touch? Well, the the best way and the easiest way, and if you, they want to get more information rather than just writing and filling in the intake form, is they can call Stunts, okay, on, is it 9646-6700? I think so. I think so, but I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Um, and just ask to speak to a youth worker, child nursing counsellor or school liaison officer. Okay, talk to one of those people, like even if they don't know the name, just talk to someone from those three teams, okay, um, explore what options are there. And then if they wanted to refer a young person, they can go to our website, search intake form, fill in the intake and send it through to our intake team. Now, if the if school is um, referring a child to a group, not individual counseling, in the referral uh, uh, form, they can actually write, you know, refer to, let's say, youth camp or youth group or uh, any any other activity, school holidays, whatever it is. Sounds good. Um, since you started running those groups, um, did you have more recent evacuees from Afghanistan join some of those youth groups? Yes, especially in one group because they received the biggest number while we were working still with them. Uh, they had about 36 
evacuee students in that school and we were working with them. Uh, and that was toward end of November and December. Okay. And how did their needs differ from more established members of the, the Afghan diaspora amongst the young people? Well, the first one was language. Okay, so we have to provide a language support for them. Second thing, it's they were still in the shock of the new move. Okay, so they were still under that shock. I wasn't expecting them to understand everything that we say because the concept is different. It's different. Uh, the school is different. The environment is different. So they're trying to navigate everything around them at this stage. So what we did, that's why we thought we're going to do something that is giving information lightly, okay, and then that talk and discussion. We know they didn't get, no one gets information 100%, but we know those students, they get at least that 30 to 40% information because we didn't have questions coming from them. Okay, and that was very interesting to hear it as well. So they were asking questions about different things that we were presenting. So it, their needs are different like any new arrival. And I think schools are very well equipped to accommodate those students anyway. Yeah. Oh, did it work well having them in the same group together? Yeah. Uh, in one school, we, got, we were working with three classrooms. And, uh, and they were high school and IEC. So the, all the new evacuees, they were in, within the IEC uh, classes, but we were working with all of them at the same time. Okay. And did you notice any dynamics between more recent evacuees and more established um, members of the Afghan community that educators should be aware of? I think it's too early because there is no physical contact at the moment. So that everything was, you know, kind of like especially from our end yes they were in school at that time but it was it was toward the end of the school so there's not much you can tell but we will need know now so we need to give that couple months or three four months to answer this question to be honest yeah look, i'm glad you're talking about the long term because of course um the crisis is still ongoing and it's going into different phases there's uh, horrific stories of the the famine, um, malnutrition, medicine shortages in Afghanistan. So it sadly continues. And uh, how, how are um, students' needs um, changing over time and, and how long do you expect this intensive support to be necessary? Well, see, the situation in Afghanistan will not be better. That's we all know, at least for another five, six, even maybe more, longer. Okay, so the whole community, not just young people, they will need constant support. Okay, because now the community will start working together to support their own people back in Afghanistan as well. That's another burden. Okay, so they will start cutting from their own, you know, table to provide to their loved one and families back in Afghanistan. So that's another thing we have to consider when we're working with those young people, okay? But that will take long, long time, and it will need a lot of support from whether school or services, external services working with school in partnership, okay? And just to provide information and support. This is what we can do at this stage. Yeah, so those, 
the pressure of those remittances yeah. that yeah families are going to need to send back home are going to have ramifications for yeah many aspects of family yeah, life because economically it will be a lot of pressure on people here and it's already started so what do you think for from the perspective of teachers um, and educators what do students and families need most help with at this time I think I think to just provide a supportive environment it's the best thing to have at the moment okay and f- I think schools they know where and how to access those ones but if they don't know they can always reach us okay and we can put them through the right channels like when we were doing the forums we didn't do all the information ourselves no we brought let's say when we were doing issues around immigration we brought an immigration agent to talk about it we brought someone who is knowledgeable about how to do advocacy to talk about advocacy so as long as you know who to bring okay to give that support plus uh, the community the community are working really hard within themselves okay there is heaps happening at the moment and we as as service providers we need to support those community organization that they are afghan community organization to be able to support schools as well i already started doing that a lot of i i got so many phone calls from schools to support students afghan students and our afghan staff are actually supporting them at the moment so we're linking you know services to schools to students to families yeah that, that linking that is really effective and it's been i've been watching that happen um yeah since august so it's really impressive um since you bring up the the staff members with afghan heritage themselves um uh, what do you say to schools who have afghan um, colleagues and and are thinking about how to support them for the long term um while their their countrymen and women are going through what they are yeah see um that's that's the thing like um all we can say uh start started with that already we were supporting staff it's in schools and similarly we support our staff here as well so that is through training okay access to debriefing okay it's very important like if school cannot provide that they can always address starts on that and they know school liaison uh, staff in school so they can always call them and organize you know that with them even they can contact um our training team if they need further information and training for staff so there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities available for everyone thanks lena and what are some of the signs that educators can look out for um amongst their students and also their colleagues that they they might be struggling and might need some extra support and need some referrals to be made well some of the things they look for i think uh, they look at is um Look at if if the students change behavior if it was an existing student not an evacuee if it was an existing student and this is what we notice even in our groups when we were communicating with teachers and staff that were working with us um, uh, students were really not um, doing their homework because they were busy you know supporting and thinking about their families their countries uh, their country 
and um, so look at their academic outcomes okay look at the behavior are they becoming more angry and aggressive in their behavior so all these little soft things that you don't need to be a counselor to you know notice them okay it's just the changes that happens whether um, they're losing weight or gaining weight that would be obvious uh, are they coming tired to, to school or to the classroom okay so they might have not slept enough so you can ask questions about what happened at home okay uh, how how many hours they are spending to sleep how many hours they are doing exercises or not so you, you can ask these little questions and i know it's too much for educators in schools okay but the teacher a classroom teacher can notice a lot they do yeah they're very attuned because they see them every day yeah so they notice the changes for sure yeah, yeah. Lena, my final question was whether you heard anything from Afghan young people themselves about what's been helpful to them at this really difficult time. Well, one thing we did, it was uh, our last session, we we did an event, uh, a forum about what to do in school holiday. Okay, because there will be about six weeks with no contact. So how are we going to get them? Even though we organize school holiday events, but we have to cancel them because of the new you know, outbreak of COVID. Uh, but we gave them some tips on what they can do if we are not available. Okay. So we gave them, we explained to everyone uh, they can access certain places for free. Okay, they can go to the nearest swimming pool. Okay, so that was something that we we looked at actually to look at how we can support them when we are not there. And most of the young people they were talking about, they were more talking about how to save their family and loved one in Afghanistan. Okay, how uh, how many, uh, like, they were kind of like asking questions that we might not be able to answer, to be honest, because this is more a government policy on to how many they will bring into here. But one thing we said to them is advocacy is the way. You can actually get together and write to government and say, we need extra support from Australia. So we were giving them that, you know, uh, prompt for them and they were very good as I said like some of them they started doing their own stuff individually or uh, we found out actually within the community itself there was a lot of campaigns so we linked them to those campaigns and said instead of starting a new campaign there is already a campaign out there there is someone let's say writing letters of support writing an article uh, fundraising so linking them, linking it's the best way in this time, okay, for them because it's early stages. At the moment, they want to be engaged. So let's engage them with their own community first and then from there they, you can do other things. Like we notice even with many of the groups that we, uh, the forums that we run, those students were not ready for groups yet. Okay. They were ready to talk and negotiate, but they were not ready to be in small groups. Okay, So the best thing is linking at the moment, and that will take a bit of while, another probably two or three months as well.
um, you know, to still that really acute phase of the crisis, even though it's so drawn out. But um, yeah, some of that therapeutic work um, can continue through the, the whole process, but might only become the focus of the work later, whereas now it's still, like you say, connecting to community members, being equipping them to advocate um, for family members stuck in Afghanistan. So yeah, that's where the focus is now and what's most helpful to them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose coping mechanisms as well as they go through this this really difficult period. Yeah, that that's why we we were talking about the school holiday activities. It was for them how to cope in a fun way that we were not talking about self care because it's kind of their thinking is a therapy word. So instead of using those you know words that they kind of like trying to be away from them so we were talking about school holiday and how you can spend a bit of time doing different things even when you are just around your own house okay like we were talking probably mainly about evacuees where they were still in accommodation services okay so what would they do yeah, Lena, thank you so much for everything you've shared today and all the incredible dedicated work you always do, but especially in this crisis. Um, yeah, it's an honour to be able to work alongside you, Lena, and thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much, Nicole, for that. And uh, I hope that we can support more students of Afghan nationals in the yeah. coming days. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Lena. Thank you. I thought Lena gave such a great overview of how mental health youth workers can work flexibly, consultatively and responsively during crisis situations, such as what's been unfolding in Afghanistan. I appreciated how she consulted closely with Afghan colleagues in designing her team's approach to supporting Afghan young people, and was then able to tailor flexible approaches to supporting school communities based on their needs, resources and demographics. Even within the constraints of a lockdown, Lena and her team were able to offer a range of supports, including small online groups, large forums, fundraisers, art competitions, and social media communication channels. I was interested to hear that forums seemed to meet the needs of recently arrived Afghan youth better than more intimate small-scale online groups, and that these forums resulted in participants sending Lena's team follow-up questions via digital mediums. I also thought Lena raised some important considerations for schools wishing to support Afghan students and staff going forward. For instance, the importance of being mindful of the additional remittances Afghan families will be paying to family and friends overseas at this time, and making sure that Afghan members of staff have access to debriefing and training as they support both their own families as well as Afghan students through this difficult time. If you found this podcast helpful to your practice, we'd greatly appreciate you leaving your rating or comments on your podcast listening platform. This helps our work reach more educators, which in turn helps the students and families we all support. Thank you so much for your contributions and take good care of you.